Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Nest Realty and Realtor Janet Oppenheimer. A senior resource specialist, Janet serves the Asheville, North Carolina area. Visit nestrealty.com and look for your trusted mountain community advisor, Janet Oppenheimer. And by Asheville Farms. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, Amazon, and iTunes. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who believe changing even one life is rewarding enough. Gandhi once said, Though what you have to give may seem insignificant, it is very important that you give it. My guest today is Tanya Weaver, Executive Director of the American Foundation for Children with AIDS. Tanya has spent much of her life abroad involved in international development, and since 2005, she has helped serve tens of thousands of families in some of the most underserved and marginalized communities in Africa, helping with medical support, livelihoods, education support, and emergency relief. And Tanya, I can't thank you enough and tell you what an honor it is to have you here on Speaking of Travel. Thank you, Marilyn. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Well, Tanya, I have heard about your work for a long time. I've been interested in the the mission that you have, this organization has. Give us a little backstory on this and how this organization even came to be and how you became involved. Uh, so the story actually starts with me being in Afghanistan with my husband. Um, I was pregnant with our first child, Julia, 
And we were looking at this map thinking, oh, what are, where are we going to go? Um, we don't want her to be raised in a war zone. So where should we go? So we're looking at this map. And we're going, well, how about Switzerland? And how about, and just looking at the world. And we received a phone call at that time of one of, a, a former um, colleague of mine. And she said, hey, Tanya, what are you going to do when this baby is born? And I said, I really don't know. You know, we're thinking and we're praying and we're just trying to figure it out. We don't know, but we want to keep working internationally if possible. So she said, listen, I'm, part of a board of directors, we organized and incorporated an organization to help children with AIDS in Africa, but we don't have leadership. So would you mind doing it? And I remember thinking, hmm, ask a pregnant woman if she will help save the lives of babies. And I said, of course, where is it going to be based out of? And she said, wherever you settle down with Eric and the baby. So we decided to settle in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, between both in-laws, both sets of in-laws. And AFCA has been in my house since then. So World Headquarters has moved from the kitchen to the living room. Now it's actually upstairs and we function from here, but we work in five countries of Africa. So, yeah, it's been a ride. Wow, that is that is certainly some kind of ride, I'll tell you. I can't even imagine what it's been like for you to be doing such big work over all of these countries uh, right there in Africa, but with all of these people. What is that really like? How does that work? So, you know, in this day and age, we're so fortunate to have WhatsApp, Zoom, uh, cell phones, uh, VSATs and all these things. So thankfully, communication is not an issue in the sense that I can connect with the programs that we're working with. Um, some of our areas are very, very remote, though, like in Congo. So if it rains, we can't use the VSAT system and there's no communication. But otherwise, I visit our programs a couple times a year. I make sure that I'm in constant communication with the people managing them. Um, I try my best to help with any problem solving from here, but sometimes it does require going there, uh, which I'm always happy to do. I'm so happy to go to Africa. I just returned last week from two and a half months there. Um, so it's always an adjustment to come back because I miss it. I missed a much more simple life, much less intense life, but very rich life. Uh, so yeah, we just have to have very good communication, whether it's by phone or writing, it has to be very clear what we're doing, what our goals are. And then the reporting that comes back has to be good, the photos, the stories, and then the verifying everything when I go, or when we have other volunteers go, we verify that things are going well. Uh, we have a lot of checks and um, we have a lot of, you know, specific information we want back. We want to make sure these kids are growing up. We want to make sure that the families are becoming self-sufficient. And we can only do that when it's proven to us, whether by visiting them, interviewing them, seeing where they are, um, and getting photo and video, you know, details back to us. Yeah. So it's an interesting job. Um, it's never, never boring. That's for sure even trying to figure out these different details. Well, I'm curious on the, 
I mean, you've been doing this for so long. Give us an idea of the success that you've been seeing after all these years. Okay, so I have to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Do you mind? I was just in Congo in June. It just makes me so happy. I went to visit a family that had been given three pregnant goats. So we have a project that's called our Livelihoods Project. We will give three pregnant goats after a family has been trained. They also get seeds, they get a water filter, and they get a solar lamp. And a family for us can either be a family that's headed up by a child because they became orphaned by AIDS, or maybe it's a grandparent who is now elderly but has to raise all these children who've been orphaned, or it's a family that's headed up by a sick or dying parent. So either way, it's tragic and they need help. So they're not lazy. They just need a little hand up. So we provide the training and the items to get them started. So this man um, was given his seeds and his goats and everything. And he had come up to me last year and he had said, listen, Tanya, I am so grateful for what you gave us. And I'm wondering, could you give me a loan of $30? And I'm going to tell you that with $30, I'm going to hire more people so that we can actually plant all the seeds you gave us. And I think I have a plan and it's going to work. So I said, okay, I'm going to give you $30, but I expect that you pay it back next year when I visit. So I went to visit him in June. He gave me his $30 back with the biggest smile on his face. And I said, man, what is that house that I'm seeing that is being built right now? And he said, Tanya, I hired the people like I said I would. I got the biggest crop of peanuts out. Then what I did is I rented my peanuts out. I would give another family a bucket full of them and my payment back after they had harvested theirs was two buckets back. And so I've started a business and with that, I'm building a house for my son. And you know, even though the house is simple and it is mud and it is sticks and it is something that we would probably say, oh, that is so simple, it is beautiful. And his family gets to expand right there on his land. And they are eating well. All the kids are in school. They're all getting their own medicine. They don't need us anymore. And his next step is to give us back three goats. So we give them to another family. So he becomes the giver. It's lovely. And then I said, how are your goats? And he goes, and all these little goats come running towards him. And I have this video of these goats just running and one of them is so fat because she's pregnant and she's like running over because they know his voice and you know so that's that's when we know it works Marilyn and and it happens these stories over and over and over and over again so it makes it so um, real that this help is happening and that it's actually changing lives it's changing lives and it's changing the world one person at a time and that's what gives us hope and I am so just beaming with that story because it's like it's such common sense you know I think that we tend to overthink things way too much so when we come back from the break Tanya I want to hear more about the work that you're doing and and what you would like to to have us provide that we can help you what's the best website where people can get information as they're listening Sure. It's 
F-C-A-I-D-S dot O-R-G. So American Foundation Children Aids dot O-R-G. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. I'm looking forward to coming back and, and talking more about the work that you're doing and maybe hear another story or two. I'm telling you, it's just what a great way to start a day. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with Tanya Weaver, the Executive Director of the American Foundation for Children with AIDS. We'll be right back. Whether you're traveling to points near or far or traveling on a life journey, every transition is an opportunity regardless of your stage of life. If you, a family member, or a loved one is looking to downsize, retire, or buy or sell a home, contact your trusted Mountain Community Advisor, Janet Oppenheimer, from Nest Realty in Asheville. As a senior real estate specialist, Janet will help and guide you through any life transition one step at a time. Contact Janet at nestrealty.com today, helping you find that perfect home to fit your next journey. Nest Realty. It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in Western North Carolina, or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, and off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Tanya Weaver. She's the Executive Director of the American Foundation for Children with AIDS. And Tanya, we were talking before the break, you know, that's such a heavy title, like Foundation for Children with AIDS. It sounds so heavy, and yet you make it sound so rewarding and life-fulfilling. Give us a little bit of an idea on how you would explain this organization to someone who maybe hasn't heard of the work that you're doing. Yeah, that that's actually a really good question. Um, it's a huge name. So now we kind of are known as AFCA, for one. You know, we tried to make it a little shorter. But Our goal and my goal is to help the children in our programs to become citizens of their country that are able to take care of themselves and that know that they have value. So we do that like through livelihood programs. Like I mentioned, we do it by supporting orphanages where they're growing. Um, So we have like greenhouse projects for orphanages so that they become self-sufficient and the children can learn how to grow food, how to harvest, how to can, um, how to work, you know, how to appreciate things. We also have programs where we provide medical supplies to clinics where the children go and get taken care of. We provide school fees if they don't have the ability to pay for school, but it's all done specifically at the request of our partners. It's not like we ever go in and say, we think you need this. Instead, we sit down and we say, how can we serve you? And that's how the livelihood program started. We had children children come up to me and say, Auntie Tanya, we have no idea how to raise goats, but 
that's what my parents did. Can you teach us? And so I didn't know anything about goats, but I found people who did and took them to Africa with me. And then there's a bunch of Africans that did and they worked together and we started a goat program that made sense for that community. And what works in one community does not work for another. So we change it, we can tweak it. We're so small, we're nimble. And so that if somebody in, let's say in Kenya, our project there is Sisal, because we were told there's a group of women that need a job that is only three days a week because they have AIDS, they are widowed, and they are raising children. They cannot possibly be a mom when she's sick and being out and working seven days a week. How can we tackle this? So we thought about it. And we said, let's do a sisal plantation. And sisal is a fiber. And we'll hire two groups of women, each to work three days a week. And they'll get paid fairly. They'll do good work. And the kids can go to school and eat well. And so that's what we do. So because we're so small, we can be very, very nimble. Uh, we can act quickly if there's a problem. I don't have a million layers of people above me to say, please approve this. So really, we're just there to help these kids grow up. And we want them to know that they're precious. So um, if they have a need, we try to meet it. So it's pretty simple. And we don't help a million people at a time. But like you said at the beginning, even one, even 10, 30, they are important. And so that's who we work with. Well, Tanya, I just feel that the work that you're doing is so compassionate and moves from a place of common sense. Like if we could all just have this model, even in our own backyards, where people might have poverty or might be food compromised, that there are ways that we can not overthink it, but just get to it. Just do it. Absolutely. And the thing is, likely they have good ideas. We just need to be willing to listen and then maybe tweak. But if we don't listen, it, does, it, it doesn't belong to them. So if I want a project to succeed, it's their project. They have to own it. And then we work on it together. I, if, if I've learned anything through all my years of working internationally, it's just that it has to be owned by them. So yeah, in our backyard, it's the same thing. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned all the years that you've been doing international work, and it is a lot of years. In fact, it seems to be your life, <laughs> your life story, Tanya, is working with others. Give me an idea of just what it feels like for you looking back to what it was like when you first got started as a young woman, getting involved in uh, volunteerism and and then moving into project work. What What is it like for you personally in your life journey? Oh, wow. Well, hmm. I started overseas at five. My, my parents were missionaries to South, in Colombia, South America. So it's just been always part of my life. You know, my dad would go and donate blood so that people could go to the hospital. That was their payment. He would pick up children on the side of the road and, and take care. You know, um, they ran an orphanage. So for me, it's just my life. And um, I've grown with it. You know, I'm, I'm an art therapist by trade. That's what I trained in. I wanted to work with children of war. But really, it's just a natural thing for me to do. It was not hard 
to jump from being raised with parents in an orphanage to saying, of course, I'm going to try to help these kids who are being orphaned. It's just a natural progression. I've just had to educate myself along the way and find the people who know about goats, who know about greenhouses, who know about AIDS, who know about all these different things and be humble enough to say, I have no clue. I just want to help. So somebody teach me, teach me, teach me, and then sit down with my African counterparts and say, teach me, teach me, teach me. I want to know about your culture. I want to know about your language. I want to know how I can do this without ever overstepping my welcome. I don't want to be somebody that says I have the answer. So teach me. And so I've had to learn throughout my entire life. And um, I'm not there yet. And I keep learning. But um, so I think it's just been a progression for me, a very natural thing of having the parents that I had to moving into the job that I do. And I don't really think of it as a job because really it's, it's just what I do. It doesn't seem like I get up to go to work. It doesn't. Well, there is so much love around you that it is emanating all through the, the work that you're doing and the people that you're touching and the friends that you've made and the, the family. So what can we do, Tanya, to support you and the work that you're doing and these wonderful people that you're serving? Come to Africa with me come to Africa. I take volunteer teams and so we have another team leader as well. And we take teams to Zimbabwe and to Kenya, sometimes to Congo. Uh, right now we have uh, four teams announced on our website for next summer. So just come. I want people to see what we do and to be part of it and to get their hands dirty and to hold children and to paint and to build and to teach and to sew and to help in our gardens and the bees and the goats. We have so much happening. So just come be part of it and then see that we are real. That when I say that we are doing something that we really are, the money's not going into an empty, dark bucket somewhere. It is actually changing lives. So that would be the first thing that I'd say is go to our website, check us out, see if you're interested in joining a team. If you can't do that, that's okay. You can volunteer from here. We're always looking for seamstresses. We're looking for people to help on social media, to share a story, but we also need donors, you know, no matter what, without money, we can't do what we do. So um, again, on the website, people are welcome to, to donate, but we just want folks to be involved. Right now we're starting something called communion, which we're gonna be asking people to host little gatherings once a quarter of maybe eight to 10 women where they will have wine and cheese and learn about what we do. We'll have updates with how we spend any money that they've raised during that little gathering and they can gather every four months or so, get together, learn about us. So yeah. That's a wonderful idea. I love that. It sounds so cozy and warm and a way to bring that energy right, right there into your space with your mm -hmm. friends. What a lovely idea. Well, Tanya, I can't thank you enough for being here today on Speaking of Travel. And I hope that our paths definitely cross at some point. Volunteering, I think we all can agree volunteering is the way that we can help serve our planet and our world. We need to get back Absolutely. into that. So let's definitely stay in touch and people go to the website. Tanya, I have to just give you a real shout out. The photos that you have are so beautiful. It's almost like you're 
watching TV or something. They're so beautiful and so rich. So thank you for keeping us up to date and sharing a piece of your world with us right here. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Marilyn. Well, thank you, Tanya, for being on Speaking of Travel today. Well, you know, this is a time to be in the here and now and maybe explore things deeper than perhaps you couldn't find yourself. We all want to strive toward a balance of strength and letting go, both physically and in life. Coming up next is Corey Costanzo. He's a co-owner of Still Point Wellness, which is a destination wellness spa here in Asheville. Corey lived and worked at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California, and he offers some unique experiences to move you along your quest for well-being. So stay tuned. Traveling to new places is good for everybody, but sometimes travel can be challenging. The good news is there are products available that can put your traveling concerns at ease. Unlock the potential CBD has in your life with Western North Carolina's premier supplier of high-quality hemp and CBD products. Visit our store at 28 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville and by visiting AshevilleHempFarmsNC.com. Hey, this is John Stickley of the John Stickley Trio. We are so proud to be part of the inaugural Earl Scruggs Music Festival in Mill Spring, North Carolina, Labor Day weekend. It's September 2nd through 4th, and it's going to feature some of our friends and favorite musicians, including Bela Fleck, Jerry Douglas, Sam Bush, Molly Tuttle, Leftover Salmon, Chatham Rabbits, Fireside Collective, and so many more you will not want to miss. Daily tickets and weekend passes are on sale now at the Earl Scruggs Music Don't miss it. It'll be a celebration of Earl Scruggs' life and legacy, which is amazing. It is guaranteed to be a finger picking good time, so come on. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on. A Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. I recently read a report that confirmed what most of us already know. We have experienced a mental health crisis during COVID, and more and more people are suffering from anxiety or depression. The good news is we have some tried and true stress management strategies available, some as easy as eating healthier, getting plenty of sleep, meditating, and being out in nature. I've heard how somatic therapy can help clear your mind and connect us to our bodies, and I like this idea because it combines mindfulness, grounding techniques, and traditional talk therapy. Now, that all sounds good to me. My guest today is Corey Costanzo. He's the co-owner of Still Point Wellness, a destination wellness spa in Asheville. He earned a master's degree in clinical psychology with a concentration in somatic psychology and is a licensed addiction specialist and Esalen massage and bodywork therapist. Corey lived and worked at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, California, before coming here to Asheville. And Corey, it is so great to have you here on Speaking of Travel. 
Thanks so much, Marilyn. It's great to be here. So, Corey, I can't say that what you're doing at Still Point is more relevant today than ever before because it's always been important, the work that you're doing. But how did you get your start in the wellness industry? So, my start in the wellness industry was born out of a crash and burn scenario in New York City. So I I grew up in New York City and went to school, went to college in Vermont, moved back to New York City afterwards and started working for a startup company called Delia's that actually wound up experiencing tremendous growth. And I rode that dot-com IPO wave and wound up making a lot of money in my mid-20s and realizing that no matter how much money I made, that's how much I spent. I was also uh, promoting nightclubs and really into the fast and, and furious and fabulous lifestyle of work hard, play even harder. And that really led me to experience burnout. So I decided to, to quit that, that life in Manhattan and I rented out my apartment and I traveled around the world for about three years and I decided to learn different systems of body work and have wonderful experiences in places like um, Thailand, where I learned Thai massage, in Bali, where I did Julia Cameroon's The Artist's Way, which is a great workbook in finding your passion. I learned how to play the didgeridoo, um, which is a big part of my healing uh, practice and offerings now as a counselor and um, as a musician as well. I also went and I studied capoeira, um, which is a Brazilian, Afro-Brazilian martial art in Brazil. And in each of these places, I would receive body work and I would take body work classes. And, and I decided that I was going to be on a quest to find like the main place where, where I would get a solid foundation of teaching in the, in the esoteric arts, in the healing arts. And that basically landed me in Big Sur, California at the Esalen Institute. Well, let's talk a little bit about what is the Esalen Institute. I've heard so much about it and done a lot of research, and it certainly looks like a beautiful, beautiful spot to get healthy. But what's, what's really the essence of that? So the essence of the Esalen Institute is that it was the birthplace of the human potential movement. So in the 60s, you had the hippie movement, and you also had, in parallel, the human potential movement. They were a bunch of people that were disillusioned by the educational system in the United States and in, and in the West. And they were really interested in synthesizing and combining lots of different practices and systems of learning uh, from the East, from Asia from India and the yogic traditions and from other places all, all over the world. And so they would bring in teachers in a workshop format. And, um, you know, the place is still alive and, and working today. And you can go there and take, and take workshops from different teachers teaching various things that help people live better lives. It's also built on the cliffs of Big Sur, California, and it has hot springs and it is absolutely stunning and beautiful. And you were able to bring that knowledge and those skill sets with you, including their very famous Esalen massage here to Asheville. 
and start Still Point. Let's talk a little bit about that. How did you end up coming here and being able to start your company? Yeah. So during my time at Esalen, I studied a lot of massage and body work. I studied a lot of and experienced a lot of gestalt psychology. And I decided to go for a master's degree in somatic psychology. And I just fell in love with helping people through the lens of helping them understand the relationship between their minds and bodies. And, you know, it came time for us to leave Big Sur and start a family and buy a home. And uh, my wife, uh, Robin, is an Esalen massage teacher. And so we decided to move our lives to Asheville, North Carolina, because there's actually a lot of awareness here in Asheville about wellness and about massage and body work. And nobody was practicing Esalen massage in these mountains. So we decided to move here and start training people in Esalen massage. And that basically led to us opening up Still Point Wellness. Well, you have a lot going on over there and such an amazing diversity too in the different offerings that you have, not only the massage, but you're one of the few places places in town that actually has a saltwater flotation chamber. That is something that is becoming more and more popular these days. Yeah. So saltwater flotation is the pan ultimate in somatic psychology because you literally hit the body's reset button. It's like a control alt delete for stress in the body. So picture this you're floating atop 1,500 pounds of dissolved Epsom salt in a warm environment that's skin temperature, there's no light, there's no sound, and you don't even have to hold any muscle tension in your body. So when you get into a float tank and close the door, which you could leave the door cracked open for a few minutes if anyone seems like this is a scary thing for some for some folks but once you once you get in you start to recognize all these mind body patterns so you might have a thought and it might be a stressful thought and then you realize that you're starting to clench your fists or your shoulders are 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 starting to tighten then you realize the connection between thoughts and muscle tension and because the salts are literally holding you up you can release that tension really quickly and easily. It's like super meditation and it becomes really easy to recognize these patterns and let them go. Well, like I said in the beginning, this is a time when we all are ready for these methods to help us decompress, unpack, get back to really our sense of self. So Corey, how can we get more information? What's the best way to to hook up with all of you there? The best place is our website, which is stillpointwell.com. And on our website, you'll be able to find and explore all the different modalities that we're doing, Esalen massage, saltwater flotation, somatic experiencing, workshops and classes. And uh, yeah, hope to see y'all soon. Well, Corey, thank you so much. And it's bringing to mind just how important we all can use some stress reduction. So I definitely would love to have you and Robin back here on Speaking of Travel so that we can get a little bit, I guess we could say we could dive deeper 
into the realm of wellness and how travel really helped you have a broader mind to being able to have these in your life as you've moved forward. Thanks so much, Marilyn. It's been a pleasure and an honor to talk to you today. Thank you so much, Corey, for being here on Speaking of Travel. You know, these are the days that we can do so much to make an impact and creating common ground and developing new solutions to empower people is really key. Coming up next is Mark Collins, Partnerships Manager for RomanticAsheville.com, the online travel guide to Asheville in the Western North Carolina region. Find out how partnerships are creating new paths to sustainability. Stay tuned. Tucked away on Costa Rica's Caribbean coast lies Pecuari Reserve. For more than 20 years, the nonprofit Ecology Project International has spearheaded the preservation of two iconic species there, the leatherback sea turtle and the agami heron. Each year, researchers, volunteers, and local students work around the clock to help ensure each and every leatherback and agami egg is protected. Why? The survival of these species depends on it. Growing threats of climate change, microplastics, and erosion pose immense threats to the leatherback sea turtle, and Pecuario Reserve is home to one of the few known nesting colonies of this rare bird, making it an essential site for compiling data that will help us preserve it, protect it, and better understand it. Help support EPI's conservation efforts with a donation to the Every Egg fundraiser, or consider joining EPI at Pecuario Reserve for a more hands-on experience. Visit ecologyproject.org slash everyegg for more information. Summertime is the perfect time to get out and explore North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains. Create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures. Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. I think we can all agree that behind most successful collaborations are people and organizations willing to invest more than their share of financial and human capital. Partnerships increase impact and create new paths to sustainability. We're already seeing more and more partnerships forming between companies and industries and people like you and me driving big changes. My guest today is Mark Collins, Partnerships Manager for RomanticAsheville.com, the online travel guide to Asheville and the Western North Carolina region. Mark understands the importance of delivering on a common purpose to create and develop new solutions to empower people and organizations with the knowledge and resources they're going to need to reach their goals. And Mark, welcome again to Speaking of Travel. It's always such a pleasure to have you on. Ah, uh, Marilyn, it's always my pleasure to speak with you. You know, I think of you 
as such a kindred spirit, not only to me, but to romanticashville.com as well. Your thoughts, your actions to actively preserve and protect our natural and cultural assets don't mirror my own and that of our website. And that was such a beautiful intro that you just gave. I do think of Romantic Asheville as a giving website and not to brag or boast, but in the past 19 years, we've donated well over a million dollars worth of marketing support and fundraising dollars to over 200 Western North Carolina nonprofits based in tourism, arts, heritage, and environmental conservation. I think it's important to call that out because we can do it and other people can do it. And it's that united effort that's going to preserve and protect this great beauty we call Western North Carolina. Part of the joy of living in these beautiful mountains is connecting with those with like values. And that's a true partnership. I think your show does just that. It's a magnet to those that have a love of travel and of exploration, but also hold close in their thoughts and in their heart, sustainability and respect and the desire to conserve and protect the very things that attract folks to our wise old mountain. And in this day of inaction, it's heartening to know healthy activism is alive and well and flourishing. And just this past week, three different groups rallied and met with decision makers that will have a huge impact on what's going to happen right in our own backyard. I think it's important that we call out that there was a diverse group of over 500 people from all over the South that gathered in Asheville last week to help protect our national forests from excessive logging. They met with an intent to educate and urge the U.S. Forest Service to protect our beautiful national forests. Care for them, of course, but ultimately protect them. And just to have a little aside, there are not that many old growth forests left. Of course, we have to maintain them appropriately for their health, but it's an appropriate measure. Once they're gone, they're gone. And they don't they don't come back. So kudos to a group of people who see the need to protect for generations to come. And apart from the millions of acres that Nantahala National Forest and the Pisgah National Forest make up, there's a, a group, the Friends of Lexington Avenue, that are educating folks on the necessity to maintain a very small urban forest that is just above Lexington Avenue. They're working tirelessly with the city and Duke Energy for alternatives to maintain a a very small green space that's so important in any urban area. And I I love the idea that people are gathering the ranks and coming up with alternatives and wanting to partner with decision makers, share ideas, and see what the outcome might be. And then as we keep on that theme of partnership, if we talk a little bit about Hominy Creek and the partnership there between Dominion Energy, the farmers that farm alongside Hominy Creek and and Mountain True, where this partnership is raising money and putting money forward to restore Hominy Creek. The partnership is formed to create the restoration project that will maintain the creekside beds of Hominy Creek, 
which many people don't know. It's a tributary that feeds directly into the French Broad River, just above the River Arts District. So maintaining these lovely rural spots have a huge effect on the city of Asheville itself, whether people would know that or not. And Omni Creek is just one of many places where that kind of restoration work is happening. That just happens to be kind of local news at the moment. When you think of these three examples showcasing the spirit, the heart of Western North Carolina, folks working hard to educate and provide alternative solutions to maintain and preserve what we all hold so dear to our hearts. Honestly, it's just a joyful, puts me in a joyful place, knowing many people understand the need to maintain and preserve and honor and respect everything that we have. So there is something, there is legacy. Absolutely. And I think we can see too how you were saying everything is just so interconnected. What work is being done in the forest, what's being done on the creek, what's being done to the urban canopy, it all is like a spider web. You touch one little piece and it vibrates around and connects everything. So Mark, tell us again how we can get to the website and and look around there and get all the information that Romantic Asheville just has such an up-to-date, current platform What's the best way to to maneuver all of that? Well, great. I recommend that everyone, all your listeners, please come to romanticashville.com and spend a moment or two looking at our partners and all the things that we celebrate about the beauty of Western North Carolina. You will find wonderful hikes and you will find conservation measures and you will find water safety tips and places to stay, places to eat, and it's all local. It's a beautiful local mission that we're all passionate about, and we're here at romanticashville.com. We're about to go into our 20th year. Well, congratulations, and big shout out to you and, and all your team for keeping us up to date on what's happening, keeping things current, and really supporting and embracing the partnerships that makes Western North Carolina so special. Thank you, Marilyn. Your message is local and national and international, and it's a a wonderful thing. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Well, thank you, Mark, and thanks to Tanya and Corey for being on Speaking of Travel today. You know, one of my very favorite books is the story of Ferdinand the Bull by Monroe Leaf. The book tells the story of a bull who would rather smell flowers than fight in bullfights. When all the other bulls would run around and butt their heads, Ferdinand would rather just sit and smell the flowers. Sometimes we forget it just takes a moment to stop and smell the flowers and just enjoy where you are. Especially when we're traveling, we can get so caught up in trivial things, we let go of the enjoyment. It's so important to bring mindfulness to the journey so that you can be ensured you're aware of just how enchanting your experience really is. Practice mindful meditation by breathing. Focus on leaving a smaller carbon footprint. Take your time and always be grateful. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 